Hello, fellow RoboCapitals. Hope you're well. So in the news, Nigel Farage, my good buddy, strikes back. Good for him. And this leads me to a conversation that I had this morning, actually, with another good friend of mine named Simon Black. I'm going to go ahead and connect these stories in just a moment. But before I do, let's get right over to CNBC and check out what is happening with Nigel Farage. If you weren't following this story... Basically, he got unbanked where just banks started dropping him. And he went to other banks to, to try to open up an account there. And they basically told him to pound sand. So it's like, what am I supposed to do here? I can't even cash my paycheck. And that got me really thinking like, yeah, what, what do you do if in the future your social score just isn't what it should be? And therefore, the central planners say, oh, yeah, you shouldn't have a bank account. And that, you know, people say, oh, well, Bitcoin fixes this. Hopefully in the future it will. But right now, no, it doesn't. Because you sure you can have some assets in Bitcoin or gold or silver or cash. But how do you get your paycheck? Are they just going to pay you under the table? I mean, how many employers out there are going to pay you in gold or Bitcoin? Probably not too many. How many are going to pay you in cash? Probably none. So it becomes a very, you know, what do you do? Do you take your paycheck down and go to a check cashing place? And how, how do you pay your bills there? Do you pay them 20% right off the top? I mean, it becomes a, a actually a very, very difficult problem to solve. But let's get back to this article here. Go through it and then connect some dots with the conversation that I had with my good buddy, Simon Black. So a CEO quits and the BBC apologizes to Trump ally, Nigel Farage. A banking scandal erupts in Britain. So key talking points, Nat, Nat West Group CEO Allison Rose admitted on Tuesday to having discussed the details of Nigel Farage's bank account with the BBC reporter. So initially, I'm like, okay, well, that, that sounds like that's not something a banking executive should be doing. But I didn't realize how illegal that actually is. And so it, it, it begs the question, you know, this Allison gal, she's been a CEO of this bank for quite some time, she knows better than that. So what would prompt her to actually do this or do something that she knows has a good chance of getting her fired, uh, even if it wasn't illegal, for heaven's sakes, or even if it wasn't, even if it was legal, but it was just uh, breaking a implied guarantee that banks have with their customers that they're just not going to do that. It's like doctors sharing medical information. Um, well, I would assume that's illegal, but even if it wasn't, you know, the, the, the spirit of that doctor patient relationship is that they're not going to cross that line. So uh, we'll get into why she did that. It becomes very, very clear as we get down further into the article, but Farage was informed earlier this month that Couts, I'm sure if I'm pronouncing that right, a high-end private bank and wealth manager, part of NatWest, required clients to hold a minimum of $1 million or 1 million pounds in investments or borrowing or 3 million in savings, planned to cut ties to them. He subsequently filed subjective access requests to obtain a dossier the bank held on him, which then he published, claiming it showed the bank was being terminated excuse me, claiming the bank account was being terminated due to his views. So when I initially started reading this, uh, the bank's claim is that uh, his mortgage was being paid off in 2023, something like that. 
And after he pays off his mortgage, he doesn't have the the threshold, the minimum threshold in his account. And therefore they just kind of cut off his access or cut off his account just uh, ahead of time, just because they knew it was going to happen in the future. So why not just get it over with now, which doesn't sound like something that professional <laughs> that a bank would do. But again, as you go down and start reading the comments from the people involved and the CEO gal that quit, you start to see, oh yeah, this, this, that was just their excuse. But the core issue is the gal just hates Nigel Farage and she just hates everything he stands for. And I think it got to the point where she was like, you know what? Screw it. I hate this guy so much. I don't even care if I lose my job. I'm going to just personally attack him. And the easiest place to attack him is to just ax his account. But that's just my my view after reading this article. I'm not saying that, you know, I can't get inside of her head. So the controversy, NatWest is 39% owned by the British taxpayer. And this makes a big difference here. You know, if this was a bank that was just running on their own private accord, I mean, I personally think they should be able to work or not work with anybody, but that would imply that there's no government involvement at all. There's no government bailouts. There's none of this stuff, right? And here we can see that there's definitely a government bailout that it's 49% or excuse me, almost 40% owned by the British taxpayer. So in this case, no, you, you they shouldn't be able to, you know, say yes, no, yes, no. I mean, basically a public company, despite a stellar performance, as the first woman to take helm of the U.S. or the U.K. bank, her mistake in dis discussing sensitive customer details with journalists broke a sacred trust with the British public, and her decision to step down was the only viable path. So again, I don't know that this was illegal, but it was just one of those things that you don't do. And this person, Danny Hewson, had a financial analysis at A.J. Bell, called it a sacred trust. So again, you have to ask the question, you know, why would she do this? Why would she risk her job? It doesn't make any sense. But then you start to see some of the things that she said, and you're like, oh, yeah. She just, she let her emotions get the best of her. She will be a big loss, is a, a quote from uh, maybe one of the board members or something. Having worked with her up the, the, having worked her way up the ranks and championed diversity and inclusion, now you start to see kind of what's going on here in the sector with huge focus on getting more women in financial services. But NatWest is no ordinary bank. It is still almost 40% owned by the UK taxpayer and the political and regulatory ramifications of this episode are likely to ripple for months to come. Farage was informed last month, basically that they're giving him the ax. He subsequently fired fi filed to get the information. Rishi Sunak, who is just a world economic forum stooge. Uh, I don't like him at all. Uh, he came out, saying that, yeah, you can't do this for free speech. I think he was kind of punked into doing that. I think if it was up to him, he'd censor Raj all day long. So the dossier, the minutes from the Wealth Reputation Risk Management Committee at Couts, which was this, this bank that gave him the ax, uh, they stated that, like I said earlier, his mortgage was coming due, uh, is going to expire Ju July 2023, at which point on a commercial basis, it would not look to renew and therefore recommend winding down the banking relationship. So that's the first thing I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But why would a bank do that? Like a bank wants to make money or at least they should, if they're privately owned, they would, 
right? So if this guy has been your customer for quite some time, even though his account may be closing or his mortgage may be coming due, why wouldn't you reach out to do more business with him? Like, why wouldn't you say, hey, Nigel, we've worked with you for 18 years. We noticed that your mortgage is due July and you're not going to be at the threshold, our minimum threshold. Do you want to deposit more money or would you like to roll over your mortgage or maybe do a new mortgage? Maybe you want to buy a new place. Have you thought about a rental property? Have you blah, 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 blah. I mean, if I'm the bank and profit is my number one motive, that's exactly what I'm going to do. But what we see goes back to what Thomas Sowell teaches us in almost every single one of his books that it's actually, or it can be unprofitable for an entity to exercise discrimination. And so with Thomas Sowell, he's talked about that in terms of racial discrimination, where a business, if they don't want to take the money from, uh, you know, a black person or a Mexican or, you know, whatever minority group, then they have to pay a cost for that. There's a cost associated with that. And that's going to give their competitors a huge edge. And so the free market has that equalizing mechanism. Where And he says, but historically speaking, the entities that remain, that, that maintain that discrimination longest are actually government entities. And he uses the Jim Crow laws as an example, where they don't have to pay a price for being racist. They don't have to pay a price for discriminating. You see, and I think it's the same here. You've got something that was bailed out by the government. So there's an implicit bailout. So they can pretty much do anything. They can lose money. And the government is still going to come in and prop them up. And therefore, it kind of gives them more latitude, let's say, in who they work with and who they don't. And if you would just take the government out of the equation, you most likely don't have this problem. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Ceresna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow Rebel Capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. But getting back to the story here, so again, they say without the mortgage, they they said, we're going to go ahead and sever ties, which really doesn't make any sense. But here it gets into the nuts and bolts of, of in my opinion, what really happened here. The committee did not think continuing the bank, Nigel Farage, was compatible with Couts given his publicly stated views that were at odds with our position as an inclusive organization. And then I, I love this next quote from this uh, disclosure document. This was not a political decision, <laughs> but one centered around inclusivity and purpose. What? 
How, how is this not a political decision? You're basically admitting that it was a political decision in the exact same sentence where you're saying it was not a political decision. <laughs> I think this was kind of the smoking gun where the gal said, actually acknowledge, yeah, I got to quit because this doesn't look good. This is, you, you can't really say that, oh, we're dropping him because of his mortgage was coming to an end. When you're on, when, when, uh, when this document states that behind the scenes, you're really saying that you're dropping him because basically his political views don't line up with yours. So then they go the below commercial criteria for some time upon review of Nigel's past public profile connections, perceived risks, uh, outweighed the benefit of retention. And then they go on, uh, to show kind of this couts cuts bank or whatever. And of course they've got the, we stand with pride. They've got the whole woke initiative going on here. So really that's the bottom line is that you had this gal that's, that's part of team woke and she's one of the useful idiots. She's drank the Kool-Aid. She's a, a proud member of the, we'll call it the Malthusian Marxist cult. And she's standing up for women's rights and all these things that she's so passionate about. And she sees Nigel Farage as the enemy the quintessential enemy and she just cannot stand it that she is part of an organization that is just willing to do business with him. And therefore she tries to basically get him out of the equation any way possible. And she kind of gets caught with her hand in the cookie jar. So now let's circle back to the discussion that I had with my good buddy, Simon black, because he gave me some interesting insights that I actually had not thought of. On this channel, we talk about how one of our greatest tools and weapons against the central planners, the authoritarians, uh, the people who are trying to implement this global tyranny, one of our greatest tools is their own hubris and that they're, they get overconfident and arrogant to the point where they push people too far and then they're exposed. They say the quiet part out loud, if you will. So the example we always use on this channel is the mandates. When they first implemented the mandates, you know, at a corporate level or government level, whatever, most people were, or most average Joes were like, yeah, okay, fine. It's just another shot. Who cares? I, I got to get the flu shot every year, whatever. You know, I've got to put food on the table, got to put a roof over my family's head. And therefore, if I've got to get another shot, whatever, so be it. But then the central planners got cocky and they said, wow, that was easy. We just locked everyone in a cage. We made them inject this foreign substance into their body. They didn't even know what this was. They had no clue. And we got them to do it. Man, if it's this easy to go ahead and manipulate them, let's just see how far we can go. Because if we get to a point where they're as malleable as we think they are, then we can implement our great reset agenda, as an example, a lot sooner than we thought. So now let's take it to the next step. Let's make them do it with their kids because they, 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 they were so uh, receptive. You know, they didn't, didn't push back against doing it with them. They, they, they immediately folded. So now let's do it with their kids. But you guys remember what happened. That was the line in the sand where the normie, the average Joe, the average, even the average CNN watcher, they're like, yeah, you can stick it in me all day long, but wait a minute. Now you're telling me I got to do it with my three-year-old. 
yeah, no, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. And of course, there were a lot of people out there that were like, yay, I get to put the jab in my in my two-month-old kid. Woohoo. You know, there were some people that were just fanatical about it, granted. But for the majority of people out there that, you know, really aren't that political, they're just trying to live their life. Once you started messing with their kids, then they said, no, 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 no. We, we're going to go ahead and push back. And a few months later, those mandates were gone, right? And I think we were talking about WorldCoin, and Simon's view of WorldCoin was very similar. He thinks he actually sees it as potentially a net positive because now all of a sudden it shows people you've got a, a physical, tangible product that shows people what the government and these social media companies have been doing for the past decade, right? So when we first started talking about this, he's like, look, I get it. I hate this world coin. The orb is ridiculous. Obviously, this is taking us down a very slippery slope. But the good news is it shows people that, hey, if, if you're worried about them having your biometric data and using that to track you all over the globe, and then the carrot in front of the horse is some sort of UBI. You've got to understand that Facebook, Zuckerberg, the government, the Biden administration, probably the Trump administration, I mean, they all do it for heaven's sakes. They have been collecting this data on you for the last decade. So his view was maybe, just maybe, now that they have this piece of hardware. And the next time you go down to the mall and you see this line of young people that are standing there waiting to look into the orb and have that red beam of light come into their retina, scan their iris, scan their eyeball, and take their biometric data and then have that online and do basically whatever it is they want to do with it. They say they dispose of it, but yeah, okay. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But for the normal person to see a line of young people with blue hair or whatever waiting to do this, and they say, oh, what, what is that silver thing? I've never seen anything. Oh, well, it's an orb. Oh, really? What, what does an orb do? Oh, well, it's fantastic. It scans your eyeballs and gives us your biometric data. Most people, most normies would be like, what? Are you out of your freaking mind? Like, this, this has got to be a joke. You mean it's like Minority Report? Oh, well, uh, well um, I mean, yeah, it's actually exactly like Minority Report. That's maybe, just maybe, that line in the sand where like the normie, the average Joe, not just the people on the Rebel Capitalist channel, sit back and say, wait a minute, what? And And then they do some more research and they find out that, hey, Facebook your iPhone or whatever, when you do the stupid facial recognition or whatever, that's the exact same thing. And they're like, whoa, 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 time out here. When it was just on my iPhone or when it was just me looking into a webcam or doing whatever, okay, I didn't really think about it. But now that it's in every single mall that I go to and I can see this dystopian sci-fi movie play out right in front of my eyes, I'm going to be a lot more careful about how I browse online and that stupid iPhone with the facial recognition. Yeah, that's gone. I'm not using that anymore. You see, so maybe just maybe it'll be a wake up call to all the normies out there to make them 
reassess how lackadaisical they have been with their privacy over the last decade. And maybe this Nigel Farage thing is the exact same way. Maybe now that this, I don't want to be too hard on this gal. You know, I don't know her. I don't really know what was in her head. I'm just making some assumptions here, but maybe by her crossing this line to where it's now exposed to everyone in the UK, it's on, in, on CNBC for heaven's sakes, it was on the, the front page of their website or is their headline story rather. Maybe now this is going to open up uh, everyone's eyes, Americans, people in the UK and say, wait a minute, if they can unbank uh, Nigel Farage, just because of he said this and this and this, and the CEO didn't like that, and it's basically a, a, a government bank. You know, what information are banks collecting on me right now? And maybe that's something I should push back on. So maybe we can have this movement even prior to a CBDC coming out because the central planners continue to cross lines in the sand that people that that piss off people enough to the point where they say, no, I'm not going to take it anymore. No, you can't mess with my kid. No, you can't have my biometric data. And no, you can't mess with my bank account if I say something that's unpopular. And oh, by the way, what have you been doing for the last decade? Because if it's anything like this, I don't like it. So maybe we need to make some changes. So hopefully that's looking at it, or that is looking at it from a standpoint of the glass being half full. And maybe that's some good news. Uh, it, it definitely doesn't mean that we are out of the woods. That's for sure. This is going to be a very, very difficult battle. I always use the example of fighting John Jones, you know, the best UFC fighter of all time. You got to be honest about his weaknesses, but you definitely have to acknowledge his strengths to be prepared for that battle in order to survive and hopefully win. It's the exact same thing here. But I think we need to recognize how susceptible they are to pushing things too far. And if they continue to do this, then this can be a huge advantage for us. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism. See you in the next video.